0: Put your
1: little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb.
2: Good afternoon, everyone. Time to wake up from that nap and get to work on those weekend chores. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. Oh, and if you're going outside today, don't forget to bundle up because it's cold outside. But here's some news that while it won't warm you up, it'll certainly cheer you up. What's that? It's Groundhog Day. What do you think, Cole? Early spring or six more weeks of winter?
0: Um, I would like an early spring. Can I vote? Does the groundhog take suggestions at all? No. No. Okay.
2: It's not a democracy. He either sees the shadow or he doesn't, and uh, the rest of us have to go along with it. One thing is for certain, I, well, I hope I get to watch the film Groundhog Day this weekend. Tis the season, after all, and it is one of the best comedies ever made. I am O. I think I'm too old to say I am O. <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> In <laughs> my opinion, just for clarification. In Thank In my you.
2: opinion,
0: Jeff, is too
1: old.
2: <laughs> Thank for you. Acronyms? This is Screen Cleaning. Each and every week on the show, we do our darndest to shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. We would certainly consider Groundhog Day part of that good. And uh, as we do with uh, each episode of Screen Cleaning, we like to give you the very best in entertainment news. And the first bit of news I'm somewhat excited for and mostly intrigued, though, we found out that in July of 2020, They will be releasing another version of Ghostbusters, this time directed by Jason Reitman, who is the original director's son.
0: And a good director in his own right of Juno and Young Adults.
2: Certainly more accomplished than his father if you go by awards anyway, (laughs) right? But here's a little uh, good piece of news to tag on to that. Also in July of 2020, we will be getting the next Christopher Nolan movie. Now that's... Very exciting.
1: Do you think it will have a nonlinear storyline?
2: Absolutely. Probably. <laughs> it, I hope. I mean, Cole and I did an entire episode on the career of Christopher Nolan. We ranked uh, all of the movies that we had seen up until that point, And we both Which agreed. Which was all of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we didn't include Dunkirk in there because it had just come out. Right. But we did agree that his best movie is... The Dark Knight.
0: And we're both big fans of the Prestige as well. Yeah.
2: Mhm. I like all of his movies. I mean, the least of his movies, I think we No, you you thought uh the least of his movies was The Dark Knight Rises. Certainly. I thought the least of his movies was um Interstellar. Interstellar. Also Thank you.
0: Pretty bad. Yeah, so Jeff <laughs> defends most of his movies. I think there's a sharper cliff, but the best of Chris Nolan is still really good. Hopefully we get the good version of Chris and not the, <laughs> the interstellar. boring Dunkirk sure. or long-bloated Interstellar or yeah. pretentious I, Dark Knight Rises. Or
2: I think it's also worth mentioning that this weekend, Mickey is volunteering a little festival that's going on about 30 minutes away from here.
1: I sure am, Sundance Film Festival. Never is... heard of it. <laughs> then you're behind on the times. <laughs> Well, that's of
2: You mentioned some of the celebrities that you've already um, you've had lunch with, and you've discussed you've discussed uh, future movie deals Mm -hmm. with.
1: More of like they just (laughs) walked by me, and I was like, oh, (gasps) yeah. I did see Tessa Thompson from Thor Ragnarok,
0: and like a hundred other things last year. (laughs)
1: She's going to be in the new Men in Black. And I saw Damien Chazelle, director of one of my favorite movies, *La La Land*.
2: Yes, that's exciting. exciting.
1: Mm-hmm, it was.
2: My goodness, it, has it been a good experience? Are you excited to finish off this weekend at the Sundance Film
1: Festival? I am excited to finish it off. It's definitely been. I'm. I'm glad I did it. It was a good experience, uh, but it's a lot. A lot of hours. Okay. Spend.
2: So, Cole, I see here we have some DC news. What's that all about? Well, you were
0: announcing some new movies that got release dates, and yes. the DC universe has given us a couple as well.
1: Look! It's a bird! It's a plane!
0: That's This Week in DC News. An animated movie, DC Super Pets, featuring Crypto the Superdog, among others, will be hitting theaters in 2021. That was This Week. In DC News. Hmm. Also,
1: Look, it's a bird! It's a plane!
0: That's this week in DC News. James Gunn will be directing and writing the new Suicide Squad movie titled The Suicide Squad, a soft reboot of the franchise. That was this week in DC News. Also, just in case it's Groundhog Day or anything and you're getting uh, deja vu,
1: Look, it's a bird! It's a plane!
0: That's nah, this week in DC News. We got our first look at Margot Robbie's Birds of Prey in
2: a uh, teaser trailer. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was this week in DC News. <laughs> I think this was the trade-off. I got to play Sonny and Cher. Cole got to play this DC stinger. Um, you know, that's, that's <laughs> also if
1: I, so much DC so if I wanted
0: to do another one, Aquaman is now the worldwide king of the DC universe. It don't, don't press that
2: button. Cole. The Dark Knight Rises <laughs> in do
0: Worldwide Gross this past week also.
2: So wait, a reboot of the suicide of Suicide Squad that just barely came out. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So James Gunn is on to write. <laughs> it was going to be Suicide so, Squad 2, but now it's just called The Suicide Squad.
2: So basically said, all right, I will direct one of your movies. On the condition that I get to remake the horrible Suicide Squad.
0: Well, he's going to make a good Suicide Squad. He'll probably bring Margot Robbie back and maybe Will Smith, but most of the characters will be different.
1: That sounds weird to me.
2: DC needs to get their act together. This they is are, messy. But this no, is messy, Cole. But
0: in they figured out that it was messy, and so now they're kind of starting over.
2: Okay. All right. Well, I have two short movie reviews that I want to give, one of which is an early review. And I have to admit, even though I spent this movie experience covered in Coke, it did not sour the experience of watching the Lego Movie 2 The second part,
0: nice. (laughs) And you got to see it early because
2: because I they were just they were doing an early showing and the theater was packed. I just right off the bat, I will say it's not as funny as the original. I don't think anybody's expecting it to be. Has the same writers, Phil uh, Phil Miller and Christopher Lord. No, Chris Miller and Phil Lord. There you go. Different director, though. They didn't direct this time around. That They handed the reins to Mike Mitchell, who's done a ton of other animated movies. He's had his hand in a bunch of them, including one of the Shrek movies, I believe. I was very disappointed. and I didn't notice until after the fact that there was no Bad Cop. No Bad Cop by Liam Neeson. A little disappointed by that. Liam Neeson's a little busy right now. But all of the other characters that you know and love from the first movie, for the most part, are back. Um... This movie seemed to move along at an even more hyper speed than the original, which is saying a lot, and a lot of the jokes do land even if it 's not as funny as the first one. so the plot involves they they now are in this mad max type of universe where wild style's very brooding, even though uh, chris pratt 's character is still very positive and optimistic. And several of the characters are kidnapped by this mysterious space age girl who is taking them to this uh, mysterious wedding that you don't know much about. So Chris Pratt goes on this rescue mission, and while he's in space, he meets this other dashing Brave character that sounds an awful lot like Chris Pratt himself and who also happens to be a raptor trainer, among other things, which is obviously a uh, reference a to guardian
0: Chris... of the galaxy, if you will. Yeah.
2: Um, anyway, and it's sort of a musical. I was not expecting it. There are about four or five original songs that they put in this and they are going to include a song that will get stuck in your head. In fact, it's called Catchy Song in parentheses this song's going to get stuck inside your head and it most certainly will there's also another song by the lonely island boys who did uh who helped out with everything is awesome from the first one they did the credits song which um is also very funny. And at first you think some of these plot devices are very random, like the fact that there are music, there's music in this, mm-hmm. but that comes back and makes sense later, nice. as well as why is wild style so brooding, that also comes back. And I would venture to say the ending of this one is even sweeter than the original.
1: Aww.
2: The other film I really, really want to tell you about is They Shall Not Grow Old. This is a documentary that... Um, uh, was commissioned. It was a commissioned project. They they went to uh, um, Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson and said, "We want you to make this film. Here's a hundred hours of World War One footage, and six hundred hours of interviews with all of these World War One veterans from oh. the nineteen fifties and sixties. So they sifted through all of that and were able to whittle it down to like an hour and forty five minutes. And the the main reason you're going to want to see this is because they took all this old, grainy footage. A lot of it was like it was too bright or it was too dark. And so they had never done anything with it in the first place. And so it's never been seen. And they made it so that it's brighter, clearer, and it's in color.
0: Did a little bit of Photoshop.
2: Right. And this is a different documentary in that the whole movie is being told through voiceovers, like two or three sentences sentence voiceovers of all of these world war veterans and they tell the entire story. They have creative ways of showing combat since obviously photographers and the filmmakers back then could not get, you know, right in the thick of it. So they had really creative ways of doing that. There's a lot of, uh, he went and hired actors to do voiceovers to match what it looked like they were saying. And there was a lot of Foley work that was done. In the end, Jackson describes the importance of this film, why it's important that we see this now. And that is because we're at a time in history where people who do remember some of these stories that had fathers or grandfathers that served in World War I, they're starting to pass away too. And so if we don't learn these stories, there's not going to be anybody left who knows them to tell them. So I, for one, am so grateful for the fact that this film was made it really tells the story of these these brave men as well as it encourages encourages you to go out and find out more about your ancestors it is rated R because of some gruesome images that look more gruesome than they would uh if they were just in black and white it's a war documentary right so other than that it's it's worthy of your time and uh yeah you need to see these two films they shall not grow old is out this weekend And the Lego Movie 2, the second part, will be out next weekend. And as we go to break and prepare for our main discussion coming back, here's a little snippet of the soundtrack from Lars and the Real Girl, one of my favorite movies, and it's in a very pivotal scene in the film, and it's an honorable mention of the discussion we will be having when we return. This is Screen Cleaning. Good afternoon, everyone. Time to wake up from that nap and get to work on those weekend chores. Oh, and if you're going outside today, don't forget to bundle up because it's cold outside. But here's some news that while it won't warm you up, it'll certainly cheer you up. What's that? It's Groundhog Day. What do you think, Cole? Early spring or six more weeks of winter? I, I mean, I
0: thought I already answered that.
2: I hope that it's an early spring, for sure. That's right. You know, but we can't tell this groundhog what to do. He either sees his shadow or he doesn't. There's nothing we can do about it. Am I right? Oh, Phil. (laughs) Anyway, welcome back to Screen Cleaning. We're so excited about the show. We've already had a fair amount of music on the show, which is very fitting because on the show today, we are going to be discussing some of our favorite movie songs meaning songs that were written specifically for the movie and some of our favorite movie scores. It's kind of
0: Oscar month, and right. so we're tackling some Oscar categories. We've talked foreign language films before. Today it's original scores and, and original soundtracks. And coming up in the month, we'll also discuss some favorite animated movies we have.
2: But first, we want to talk about our favorite movie scores. This was a very difficult task for me, and I actually had more ideas for favorite scores than I did for favorite original songs. And, oh, it was not fair to have to, you know, only select one with one honorable mention. You heard one of my honorable mentions in the last block with Lars and the Real Girl, It is a very touching film about a young man who is really struggling emotionally, and it starts to turn into some mental health issues. And instead of shunning him, the entire town just surrounds him with love, and they basically love him back to health. It's an incredible film, one of my favorites. And that song is in a scene where that... That exterior shell that he's wearing is starting to crack and he's starting to warm up to these people that are just loving him back to health, like I said. Um, but the, the score that I had to ultimately go with – and actually, uh, I'm also going to mention the score from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which we'll go out of this block with. But this is another film that deals with mental health and it's a triumph of the human spirit and – it's a film about living or living instead of just existing because, as you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is full of characters who are in a mental institution who are kind of just existing, and they're doing exactly what they're told to do. Jack Nicholson comes in and, and tries to change the status quo and get let these people live and enjoy life. But if I'm honest with myself, my favorite movie score comes from a little Pixar film, and you will know instantly what it's from. Ah, yes, this is the song "Married Life" from the Up soundtrack. It did win the Best Original Score. It did win Best Original, uh, or I'm sorry, Best Animated Feature the year that it came out. And it's Michael Giacchino, I think is how you Giancino. put it. Giancino, thank you. Who pretty much does anything Pixar and anything J.J. Abrams and, the and story anything of him Disney?
0: Coming up with this song is so cool because it started with just like a simple four or five notes that he built an entire soundtrack around. Every song in this score kind of comes back to the main theme of the love theme between Carl and his wife.
2: And I did see this film the year that, or I think it was, we hadn't even been married a year. So it has a very special place in our hearts. And how can you listen to this song and not cry? Just picturing in your, in your mind that little four-minute movie basically at the beginning of the film, which is really the reason why it won the Oscar. That segment alone was enough to get it the Oscar.
0: Songs are by nature very emotional, and none of us here have music theory degrees. And so <laughs> when we talk about our favorite songs in movies, they're probably going to have to do with these emotional moments that they bring up.
1: That is true. Okay, so my turn. For my honorable mention, I had to pick Harry Potter soundtrack.
2: Really? Which one?
1: Uh, it's called Harry's Wondrous World from Philosopher's Stone. I feel like we couldn't have a movie show and not talk about John Williams. Thank
2: you for, for giving us the British title, by the way, the Philosopher's Stone. You're welcome. <laughs> Just trying to be correct.
1: But for my number one score, I did have to cheat a little bit because this is from a TV show.
2: Okay. How will allow it.
1: Interestingly, by the same composer, Michael, his last Giancino.
2: name. Thank you, that, Cole.
1: Um, this is from Lost. Hmm. And the whole soundtrack's amazing. This is the most recognizable theme from Lost. They do play when someone dies on the show.
2: Which
0: happens a couple
2: times right. if you've ever seen if you've Lost.
1: ever seen any TV show.
2: This also <laughs> kind of sounds like a part of Up.
1: Yeah, well, this was actually Michael's, one of his first uh, real scoring gigs, and, an interesting fact, a lot of the percussion on the Lost soundtrack is done using uh, the fuselage of a plane.
2: Very apt to
1: the plot of Lost. About mm. a bunch of people on a plane crash. I love
2: Lost. Don't when spoil I it for me, Mickey. <laughs> the, first episode, the, the first scene <laughs> of Lost.
0: So, when I saw that you were choosing Lost, I the only theme song, normally when you think theme songs of TV shows, it's what's playing in the opening credits. All Lost does is go...
1: What? Yeah, there's no real theme song, but the score for loss is amazing. Cool. <laughs> so I've got and, a favorite. And by
2: the way, JJ Abrams, I told you. They mm-hmm. work together they
0: a lot.
1: Work with I guess they pretty much
0: exclusively.
1: Yeah, J.J. Abrams kind of gave Michael his big break.
0: So my pick for an honorable mention for a score is gonna come from this Oscar season, and it is the Black Panther soundtrack. And I pick it because of how much time and effort went into it, so Ryan Kugler was the director Ludwig Gorenson was the composer, and Michael B. Jordan was one of the stars. They had all three worked together on Fruitville Station, on Creed, and now on Black Panther, and it shows. Gorenson knew he was going to be part of the project from the very beginning, and so he had time to go to Africa and kind of study up on traditional African instruments and how he could use that to blend with his already natural musical stylings of R&B and hip-hop and using these 808s and synth sounds underneath everything. And mainly it was cool that he was part of the project to begin with. In fact, when Ryan Coogler came back with a four-hour cut, ...of the movie, Gorenson was able to score the whole thing. Wow. Normally, composers like, are fighting tooth and nail to be the last person to slap their stuff on the movie, and this director-composer combo was a really vital part to making the movie what it was.
2: First of all, Cole, great pick. I think the music was actually my favorite part of that film.
0: Everyone had themes, there were light motifs and cool music stuff.
2: And second of all, are we ever going to get to see that four-hour version of Black Panther? I would watch it.
0: (laughs) I think it'd be interesting. It's Mm. a
1: long time.
0: But my actual favorite score comes from my childhood and one of my favorite movies growing up, and that was... uh, Remember the Titans.
2: It would be sports related, Cole.
0: I. It's the Super Bowl <laughs> weekend, and so I thought we would come in with a football song. This movie is known very much for its kind of jukebox soundtrack, running you through the '70s and putting Ain't you in no that time. no mountain high enough. Oh yeah, Spirit in the Sky, and all of these. Really, those. <laughs> so that is what its I love. got its entire genre. Interesting. But the score that's underneath all of these songs is what really punches home the emotional moments of the movie. When they stand there and the coach says, they're not going to get another yard. They will not get past the line of scrimmage. The things that are punched home and the emotional moments in the movie are accentuated by the score.
2: Yeah. Man, I again, I can't tell you how difficult it was to narrow it down to one. I could have mentioned so many others. I could have mentioned... You know, the, the score from Vertigo, which is actually so good that they use it again in the film The Artist, which won Best Picture of the Year that it came out, mm-hmm. in a very pivotal, important scene.
0: Wasn't The Artist a silent <laughs> movie? Aren't we talking about music today? It is almost 100% silent. Except for music,
2: but there's music the in music it, was important, and it's fantastic, even in
1: the real silent movies. And cool. they have you some, know?
2: they have some songs in it too, which is actually what we're going to be talking about next: the best songs written for movies. Now, again, I I had a much more difficult time paring down my list of scores, but basically any musical that's an original and not uh, adapted from a Broadway show has original songs in it, and a lot of them are great. So just take your pick. Any Disney movie could have ended up on this list for any number of songs that have been written for those wonderful movies. But uh, really quickly, I'll mention my honorable mention, and this is a Disney Pixar movie, and it did win the Oscar for Best Original Song. It probably, to be honest, was not Randy Newman's greatest song that he ever wrote, but it did win this year for what should have been the final film in the Toy Story trilogy. I have mixed feelings about there being a Toy Story 4, but it is the song We Belong Together. And, again, a lot of people would argue it's probably not even as good as You Got a Friend and Me, which did not win an Oscar, but I really or love when it.
0: When She Loves Me, which is my favorite of <laughs> Interesting the Toy Story trilogy okay. songs.
2: Okay. The reason I love it so much is because, in my mind, it's kind of the anthem for my family. When I think about my three children and my wife, we belong together. And I just enjoy- I love all the fun times that we've had and will have in the future. And, again, it just speaks to me as this happy, inspiring song that we're family. We're going to stick together. We'll be together forever. I love it. Nice. The ultimate choice that I went with, though— And this is from a film that I believe I've mentioned on Screen Cleaning before. It comes, it's the final song in the film. It's an original musical. The songs are written by Paul Williams. And he was nominated for an Oscar, not for this song, but for one of the other songs in the film. But it comes in my favorite scene in the film. After this great big pie fight, all of a sudden this piano player starts playing these notes really loudly to get everybody's attention the pie fighting stops and this is what we get fun fact the actor that plays this pianist his name is michael jackson it is not the michael jackson (laughs) a different right now up until this point you've had these two rival gangs by the way All of these characters are played by kids. And what film are we talking about, Jeffrey? Bugsy Malone. Cool. Bugsy Malone, starring Scott Baio and Jodie Foster as kids. And all of the singing voices are dubbed over by Paul Williams. So you don't hear any of the kids' singing voices. And this song is about you give a little love and it all comes back to you. So this is a reconciliation song. Let's get together. And... What I love about this film, even though you have these kids playing gangsters, as a kid watching this, I felt like I was watching movie a movie with adults playing these parts. The kids are that good in these roles, particularly Jodie Foster, who's always been an incredible actor, even when – I mean, both she and Scott Bale were child actors – And, uh, yeah, she plays Tallulah, who's kind of this dance hall girl, who's kind of the main attraction at this speakeasy, takes place during Prohibition. (laughs) And you've got to check it out. If you can find it, I believe you can just watch it for free on YouTube. Um, It's one of those ones that was really popular in its day, and it's probably more popular in the U.K. than it is in the States. But it was on the cover of Time magazine And just an enjoyable film, safe to watch with your kids. Very enjoyable and means so much to me.
1: I love that. Okay. For my honorable mention, I picked a more recent film uh, directed by my my now friend, Damien Chazelle. Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) They're (laughs) going out out to lunch tonight. Uh,
1: And it's City of Stars from La La Land. But... There's two versions of City of Stars. I like the second one because Emma Stone sings in it as well.
0: And mm-hmm. the words are
1: a little bit more uh, in depth. Mm-hmm. So next time you listen to La La Land soundtrack, City of Stars, the second one.
2: I almost chose something from La La Land. Yeah. Good how choice. Could you,
1: I'm glad it's it's up there. Um, but for my number one choice, I had to pick Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Judy Garland, Wizard of Oz. Um this was my favorite movie when I was little. I had a Dorothy dress my grandma made me, and I would never take it off. Had to be convinced.
2: <laughs> oh, cute.
1: Um, but I also think this is a really powerful music moment that everyone can relate to, kind of wondering what's what's out there and longing for adventure. It's beautifully performed, beautifully shot, uh, and just, you know, you never forget it once you've seen it.
2: So... Mickey, this is a great pick, and I think it's number one on the AFI list of 100 Greatest Songs. I think
0: that's true. Mickey normally does class up
2: our discussion. Sure. (laughs) Um, Have you ever seen the film Return to Oz? Yes,
1: we just talked about it. I love Return to Oz. Not as much as The Wizard of Oz, but I do love Return to Oz.
2: Two totally different films. Mm -hmm. I so wanted to bring that up in our discussion last week when we were talking about whether or not I can show my kids certain films.
0: And just to recap for everyone, the verdict was no on almost every film that <laughs> right. Jeff wants to show.
2: <laughs> so I just need to exercise some patience, I think, is what we learned.
0: But with Return to Oz, the reason that we left it out last week is because Jeff and Mickey are the only two people in Maybe the entire in the world, building.
1: Maybe yeah.
2: the <laughs> Probably. <laughs> that have ever seen And that that's movie. an
1: injustice. Yes. It is scary, though.
2: It, it is scary for little kids. It scared me when I was a kid. I, I, I just... Uh, there are a lot of these films that... I want to have an excuse to watch again, but I can't really justify watching a kid's movie by myself. Although I should get over yeah, that. Yeah,
1: you should. And listening to the soundtrack always makes you want to watch the movie again. At least yes.
2: Wizard of Oz, one of the greatest all-time movies, one of the greatest all-time soundtracks. And I don't think there's much of an argument to be had there
0: beautiful. So my honorable mention for best song is cheating a little bit. So again, first of all, <laughs> you cheater. First of all, we said that we weren't going to include like necessarily musicals. And so then each one of us for our honorable mentions did include musicals. We'll have a musical discussion someday. Today's not that day. But <laughs> for my honorable mention of my favorite song, it is actually a medley. It's an original medley of a bunch of songs that already exist. The musical Moulin Rouge does an amazing amazing job at doing cover versions of you know pop love songs oh yeah and they already exist so that doesn't count but the elephant love song medley where ewan mcgregor and nicole kidman are together and they finally realize that they love each other and they keep singing songs back and forth at each other i love that moment
2: that's one i've only seen once i probably ought to revisit Yeah, it's a wild same thing
1: it is pretty wild it's Baz Luhrmann, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, he's wild. He's but a it was wild guy.
2: Nominated for Best Picture. And yeah. the
1: music
0: drives that movie, as does the music in all of the movies of the uh, James Bond oh, franchise.
2: Please tell me it's going
0: to.
1: Oh,
2: oh okay.
0: There are 25 to choose from, <laughs> <laughs> but I went with live and let die by paul mccartney and the wings
2: it's a good choice good solid choice
0: every single james bond movie starts with james bond doing something and then we cut to a very stylized 70s opening with music and naked silhouettes and then not always but <laughs> most, of the, most of the time he points gun his guns straight at the camera and yes. then we get a circle and then we get the classic like bum-bum. but as far as songs go Live and Let Die is my favorite. It's not my favorite Bond movie, but it's my favorite song. Have you
2: heard the Guns N' Roses version of this?
1: I have. I listened to it when I was getting this stuff ready.
2: It's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Mickey
0: had to text me this morning to say which uh, which Live and Let
2: Die. <laughs> did you, you mean
1: want? Guns N' Roses or Paul McCartney? Cuz I'd only heard the Guns <laughs> N' Roses one before.
2: I think a case could also be made for Carly Simon Nobody Does It Better from The Spy Who Loved Me, but my favorite James Bond song has got to be Shirley Bassey's Goldfinger.
1: Goldfinger. Oh,
2: it's so good.
1: And I like the Skyfall by Adele. Midas she won an Oscar for that. She
2: did. Hey, by the way, uh, I agree with you that this is not the best James Bond movie, but there's a case to be had. And Roger Moore might also be my least favorite Bond, period. However, he has the distinction of having like the most bonkers out there James Bond movies. I think Moonraker is this also- <laughs> one. Like Live and Let Die was a weird, weird James Bond movie. And there's one great sequence in this movie that I gives me the creeps. I've only seen the movie once, but it gave me the creeps. It's kind of like this funeral. It's it's masking as a funeral pr- uh, procession, mm-hmm. but the main point of this funeral uh, procession in New Orleans is to kill somebody. Like they cover up a murder and make it seem like it's this funeral procession. And then once the guy's dead, then the song—the sad song that they're playing like turns into this celebratory, you know, let's all dance and yay, ah, kind of like a ding dong, the witch is dead type of moment. And it's really off-putting. For sure, you know the the scene I'm talking I about. I do, right? yeah. And Ugh.
0: so when it came to music, I did want to grab *Live and Let Die*. It has a lot of other musical moments. The sad thing for me is Pierce Brosnan was my childhood Bond, and his movies really lacked that specific sound that some of the early True. Bond
2: movies had. True, but *GoldenEye* is one of the better James Bond movies. In yeah, my so opinion.
0: I hold up *GoldenEye* as a movie. But I was looking for a song, the and song. so that's fair. That's where we get to talk about Roger Moore, I guess.
2: Yeah, Goldeneye had a great. It was a great combo of like cheesy villains and really good action. We
0: should have a James Bond day. Someday.
2: Yeah. Anyway, as we go out to break, we promised we're going to play part of the soundtrack of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Forgot to mention one interesting thing about this soundtrack is they make heavy use of the saw and it's very haunting and strange very fitting for a movie about a mental institution and this is one of the all-time great american movies and one of the all-time great scenes in a movie very triumphant and it has to do with the native american who uh well i don't want to spoil it But he overcomes something tremendous in this film. It's a very bittersweet ending. And go listen to the soundtrack at the very least if you have qualms about watching the movie starring Jack Nicholson, which also won Best Picture of the Year. When we return, we are going to be playing a little trivia game put together by Mickey Randall when we return. This is Screen Cleaning. your little hand in mine. there ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. Good afternoon, everyone. Time to wake up from that nap and get to work on those weekend chores. Oh, and if you're going outside today, don't forget to bundle up, because it's cold outside. But here's some news that while it won't warm you up, it'll certainly cheer you up. What's that? It's Groundhog Day. Now hold what? on,
0: I uh, know we've done this before. What are you? You're going to ask me if I want six more weeks of winter or an early spring, right, Cole? That's crazy. How did you do that? It's ground. I because that's what happens on Groundhog Day. But also, I swear we've done this before,
2: Mickey.
1: I don't know what he's talking about. It's the first time I remember that.
2: Okay, Cole, you're either crazy or you're uh, some sort of clairvoyant. I don't know. I I can handle the second. I guess the two aren't mutually (laughs) exclusive. Anyway, welcome back to Screen Cleaning. We have been talking favorite movie soundtracks, favorite movie songs written specifically for the movies. And now Mickey has been kind enough to put together a little trivia game for Cole and myself. And I think we know who's going to win this one. As I do most things, I'm going to be going home with the award
1: well, mm. we'll see. He's
2: not so sure.
1: <laughs> we'll see about that.
2: Mickey's not even so sure. All right. You guys have lost faith in me.
1: Jeff versus Cole. It is a race. Now, a lot of these are going to be... Oh, so
2: it's just first person to answer. Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, but be careful because if you answer the question incorrectly, I'm I'm going to be playing you some songs. Okay. But the question's not always going to be, what is the song? Right? So yes. make sure you're paying attention to the question. Okay. However, for this question number one... You have got to name the piece of media that this song is from.
2: Okay.
0: That is from Game of Thrones oh, on television.
1: Correct. You sinner. It's correct. We do not <laughs> condone watching the show, but it is a cool soundtrack, I have to say. Oh, the
0: opening. Yeah, you can watch the opening of this without right. any Right, the credits. Films. The yeah. credits scene is so cool. And the there's the so credits many... are
2: safe to watch, and there's, that's about it. Yeah, there's so many people
0: it. in this television show that the credits take forever. Right. And... Just the cool animation of exploring Winterfell. Right, and... right.
1: And it's, listen to it on your iPod. Yeah.
0: It's beautiful. There's, all right. There's another HBO show called John Adams, and HBO shows normally like push that border. John Adams has one of my favorite TV like theme songs of all time as well.
1: Mm. Interesting. Okay, that's one for Cole. Number two, name the movie that made this song famous.
2: Oh, that would be The Breakfast Club.
1: Correct. Yes.
2: It also shows up again in a medley in Pitch Perfect in a very clever way, in my opinion. Right. Or IMO.
1: (laughs) IMO. All right. IMO, it's time for the next question. And this song, I'm sure you already know.
2: Are we guessing too quickly for the listener to fully enjoy this? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe.
0: (laughs) I wanted to give it a breath there.
2: Oh, you didn't give me a chance on Game of Thrones. (laughs) Okay.
1: Anyway, you know the song. I'm sure of it. But do you know who sings it? Let's see.
2: Is song. Oh, Lonely Island, boys. It's just the Lonely Island. Oh, Lonely Island. Okay, I think that's a tie. And uh, Andy Samberg. you're
1: both wrong. Lonely Island is featured. Oh. But they're not the primary artists.
2: Oh, it's the, the songwriters. I have no idea. This, this was- could be Daft Punk. This was, the consul- this was the Consolation nomination. It wasn't nominated for Best Original or Best Animated Feature, so they gave him a nomination for Everything is Awesome. It was performed at the Oscars, and they gave out Lego statuettes.
1: It's true. But the artist is actually Tegan and Sarah. Oh, is the band Tegan that and Sarah. It's credited with singing and writing. Okay, That's what so I get
0: for
2: trusting Everything Jeff. is awesome. So Cole uh, loses a point, right?
1: Mm, we're going to leave it at one-to-one. One. <laughs> okay. I'm the judge.
2: I guess that's fair.
1: Okay, next up, uh, i it's the Oscars, right? Yes, yes. So there are five songs nominated for best song this year, mm-hmm. and I want you to name two of them. Here is a hint.
2: Is this,
0: this is from A Star Is Born.
2: It's f- fading. Or... Also
1: really charted this year on the. Shallow. Correct, yes. that's one. I I've need another invented- one. Another Best Song nominee.
2: Oh, uh, uh, The the Place Where Lost Things Go from Mary Poppins correct. Returns.
1: That is correct. That's two. We've also way, got All the Stars from Black Panther.
2: Yes, Cole. Why why weren't you on top of that one?
0: I know the movies that they're mm-hmm. from. Another one's from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, when, a when a Cowboy, a cowboy trades,
1: trades His Spurs, spurs for, for wings. wings. Yes. And then you've got I'll Fight. By Jennifer Hudson from
2: RBG. Now, we we will have a piece of Oscar news surrounding the best original songs coming up in the next block of the show. But uh, I think just so we're keeping, or just if you're keeping score at home, I think it's uh, two, Jeff, and less than that, Cole.
1: That is correct. (laughs) Now, let's see if you can get this one. So this is another Oscar winner, uh, Stevie Wonder. (gasps) Oh. But what movie is this from? I can tell (laughs) you. We'll see.
2: I believe this is from the Gene Wilder starring The Lady in Red.
1: Is that your final answer? Yeah, sure. It's The Woman in Red.
2: I get credit for that, don't (laughs) I? I'll give you a half. Okay. You're two
1: and a half. Woo! Okay.
2: The only reason I know that is because I may or may not have read that recently. But I wasn't cheating and doing research. I was just trying to figure out what original song I might want to include on my list and it did come across I
1: didn't even know eyes. that song was from a movie so that's that's something I did learned. he
2: win for, you said he won for he that, won. right? Mm-hmm. good for Stevie Wonder
1: okay number six can you name the movie that this song is from Think I'm an ignorant savage.
2: yes I'll let you have it Cole so thanks
1: <laughs> this is this is an easy one it is from Pocahontas correct yes paint with the colors of the wind
2: one of the better parts of the movie
1: I'm fairly confident that
0: I could guess most Disney songs based on two seconds or less. Yeah, that's probably <laughs>
1: accurate.
2: Uh, great song. Oh, great yes. song. Um, the movie?
1: Mm.
2: It's in the weaker <laughs> lull of the mid-90s. Right. Not my favorite.
1: Maybe sure. no one's favorite Disney movie. But
2: I love Alan Menken. If you asked me who wrote the song, I could have told you it was Alan Menken, whom I did see perform at BYU. And it was an awesome, awesome show.
1: Very cool. Okay. So you may have seen Alan Menken, but do you know the movie that this song is from? Also an Oscar winner.
2: Whoa. Kind of psychedelic. This is... Oh.
0: Wait, uh, so is this the theme from Shaft?
1: It is not. Is it
2: from Xanadu? No. Uh, hold on, let's hear what they have to sing. Baby, look at me and it, tell me what you see. <laughs> if
1: I had played you the chorus, you would have gotten it like that.
2: Okay, can so I we, couldn't do can that. Can we wait for the chorus?
1: No, Why? I don't think I have that long of a <laughs> sample on here. <laughs>
2: um, uh, is it from Flashdance? Closer. What a feeling. Is it from Footloose?
1: No, but there is a high school involved.
2: Ah,
1: uh, High,
0: high school, school Musical
1: three. Wrong. <laughs>
2: Gosh, uh, I, are we let's give up, Cole. I don't think oh, we. Oh, I have this no one. idea.
1: No, that is fame. Fame. I oh. remember oh, my name.
0: Fame. fame. Right. I want to live forever. So you would have
1: got it if I, I, I would have learn played. how to
2: fly. Hi. Does she <laughs> wanna... say? Does she
1: say? <laughs>
0: she
2: fame? Said, yeah. Okay. If she said fame, I probably would have yeah, gotten so it. Like Otherwise, yells I wouldn't. It. It's also fame. from the movie Fame.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Also from the movie Fame. All right. Mm. So that's Jeff two and a half. Cole two. Mm. Now this is a musical. Let's see if you can get it. Oh,
2: this is from West Side Story, Story, and we'll call that a
1: tie. We'll call it a tie. Three, three and a half.
2: One of my favorite musicals of all time.
1: And there's a remake coming out. Probably
2: relevant. Probably my only version of uh, Romeo and Juliet that I actually like. (laughs) This song is also
1: in the credits of Vice. And I appreciated it. Oh, oh okay. interesting.
2: I uh, really do not like Baz Luhrmann's uh, Romeo and Juliet. Really don't.
0: Hmm. That's okay.
2: I only saw it the one time, to be fair. But I maybe I just wasn't used to the stylings of Baz Luhrmann, but didn't care for it. Maybe I just wasn't a Leo DiCaprio no. fan.
1: Okay, this is from a movie that you do like, but let's see if you can get it.
2: The movie? Guess the movie? Yes. Oh, this is from Home, Home Alone. Alone. Oh, another also tie. Also a tie. So, this,
1: was, this
0: was almost one of my honorable mentions, and then I realized that Christmas was now two months ago, Yeah, and so
2: I picked something else. So, by the way, the next time you're on a Southwest flight, uh, I'm going to ruin it for you because you'll forever think of this song. When you hear the seatbelt sign go,
0: Doon, doom doom <laughs> doom. do, that's all it does. <laughs> no, it just
2: does those two notes. And, but you, it says it twice. So you think of Home Alone. And, uh, yeah, I've ruined it for you. There you go.
1: Remind me never to fly in a plane again.
0: (laughs) It also reminds you
2: that you uh, left your kid at home,
0: probably.
1: Probably. Think about that. That's why
0: they do it, I'm sure. Someone will hear that and then remember, oh,
2: Kevin. (gasps) That is a great thought, Cole. (laughs) No, it's more like,
1: Kevin! Okay. Another, this is a score.
2: Mm-hmm. And the score, Hopefully the credit score is, harder. by the way, three and a half to three? Yes. Okay. So
1: this could be the deciding. So
2: what are we giving you here? The composer or what the score is this from? This is the movie. From Sherlock Holmes, I believe. Correct. See, I was trying to help the listener out <laughs> and Cole just like swiped, Swipe. swapped in and stole it out from underneath me because I would have gotten this too. I love the music from this movie. Right. Is it Hans Zimmer?
1: It is Hans Zimmer. Can I the... get half a point for that? You can, which means it's a Four to four? Tie.
2: Okay, that's fair.
1: I Congrats. love these movies.
2: And I want to say that they're finally making a third one, the last I checked. I hope so. Because I loved both of these films.
1: Yeah, so do I. Are there any less? That's left? all. That's <gasps> the, that's, it's a tie. It's a tie.
0: So if you didn't get a half of a pity point, I would have
2: won. Or if I didn't give you Pocahontas, I would have won. (laughs) Oh, that's true. So we it really was a genuine tie. tie. There we go.
1: Next time I'll make one word. Somebody wins.
2: I can deal with that. Well, hopefully you had a good time playing at home and keeping score and understanding that even though Cole and I exchanged some slight jabs (laughs) at each other, we're friends. And Cole, you've got a friend in me. Which is a song we mentioned earlier in the program. And a song that we're going to go out of this block with is another Randy Newman song, the one that won the Oscar and the one that won my heart in Toy Story 3. Don't you turn your
1: back on me. Don't you walk away. Then put your.
2: Oh, I just love that song. And it's so difficult to hear it and not think of the film Groundhog Day, the holiday that we're celebrating today, by the way. And, uh, Cole, what are your thoughts on that song?
0: I think I've heard it three too many times today.
2: What are you you talking, like on the radio on the way into work you heard it?
0: Yeah, over and over and over (laughs) and over.
2: Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, I'm, it's... It's been a great experience hearing it for the first time on the show today. Mm Hmm. Um, Groundhog Day this weekend, also Super Bowl weekend. So if you're not into uh, Groundhog Day or Bill Murray, then you can watch the big game or vice versa. If you're not into the big game, watch Groundhog Day. But I think most people will be watching the big
0: game. And that's where it has to do with uh, screens as far as we're concerned here on screen cleaning. Sure. If you had to guess, how many people do you think will be sitting in front of a television
2: this weekend? Goodness. At least 40 million people. Yeah, something
1: like that. Uh, Go higher. 100 million.
2: 70 million.
0: Slightly more than uh, what Mickey's talking about. What? 117 million. If history has to show, it will be more than 100 million because every year for the whole decade, it's gotten over 100 million people as far as wow. the Nielsens are concerned. And so that makes when, me sad. When 68% of televisions that are even turned on during the game are on this game, movie producers understand that. And they uh, they avoid this weekend when they're releasing their big new movie.
2: Speaking of avoiding this weekend, we bought a TV that happened to be on the Super Bowl sale at Costco. And it's a good weekend to we do We want to return it, but we don't want to return it this weekend because it's going to be crazy. And I was thinking they're probably going to think that I returned it, like I bought it just to watch the Super Bowl on <laughs> and then returned it for a full refund. Gosh, I hope they don't think that poor That's of me. That's not
1: what you're going to do, no, right? No, <laughs> no. We're
2: actually going to go there today and buy a different one, but we just don't want to have to return the other one today because I assume the return lines are going to be crazy. There will
0: be a lot of people buying guacamole and nachos and right. drinks and yes. pizza. And...
2: So we've mentioned music quite a lot on this program. Today was the theme of the show, Really? And earlier in the trivia section, Mickey talked about the songs nominated for Best Original Song. A lot of feathers were were ruffled, including mine, when they announced that they were only going to sing, they were only going to perform two of the five nominees at the Oscars ceremony. And I so anticipated this next bit of news because last night when I looked at my phone, All of a sudden it said, oh, you know what, we're actually going to have two more of the songs performed at the Oscars. And then when I turned on my computer today, you know what, everybody can perform their song at the Oscars. And it's so funny because speaking of this week in D.C. news, I think that there are more uh, about faces the, uh, in Oscar announcements, the than there have yeah. been for DC. Right. It's been wild. They just—they've got some problems going on in the Academy. <laughs> if there. If you
1: want the Oscars to do something for you, just tell them, and they'll do it.
2: Right? They—they um, they just get scared easily. And go back on their word almost immediately. they couldn't
0: decide if it was La La Land or Moonlight, they all of a sudden couldn't decide (laughs) if there was going to be a popular film category and can't decide if they're going to play all the songs.
1: That's a great point. Please watch the Oscars. Love the Oscars. Right. We (laughs) promise it'll
0: only be three hours. We promise. To
2: be fair, or at least for the moment, I should say... They're going to be singing 90-second sections of the songs, including the two more popular ones that are more likely to actually win the Oscar. But uh, yeah, there's a kind of a, the thought that maybe all the nominees got together and said, you know what, let's unite and we either all perform or nobody performs. But there's no way to tell if that is actually true. But it's fun to speculate, isn't it? Anyway, another piece of interesting news that certainly could be our Panning for Good segment, but it doesn't quite make it because it's not exactly in line with what we've been talking about today. Are you familiar with the group Disturbed? Anybody know Disturbed? Mm-mm. They're a band, yes. I don't know that I could name any of their songs, but apparently they're like a heavy metal band. Which I'm pretty is-
0: sure their Get Down with the Sickness is Disturbed.
2: So there was a female concert goer at one of their concerts that was kind of getting shoved shoved around a bit too roughly at a mosh pit that had formed in the general admission section, like right in front of the stage. And the lead singer from Disturbed says, we saw what happened uh, on behalf of the gentleman in Disturbed. I want to apologize for you getting jumped into our gang. And this guy, is a—he's he's a 45-year-old married guy with a 5-year-old son. So he said, call me old-fashioned. There's some crazy idiots out there who'd call me sexist for insisting on protecting a woman. But you know what? Everyone needs protection, and anyone who isn't as strong as you deserves your protection. Do you understand that? And uh, it was a touching moment, and he invited her up on stage. She got to sit there for the last song of the concert. But that leads us into our Panning for Good segment. There's good in them, hills. <laughs> This song also could have been considered an honorable mention. Well, it's really a score from one of my favorite romantic comedies, which we will be talking about in a future episode on screen cleaning. It's from the film Defending Your Life. And this is the little score from the ending scene. This is the film I told Mickey she had to watch this weekend. Romantic comedy rated PG. How many romantic comedies that are rated PG are out there? And uh, it stars Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. And it takes place in a place called Judgment City, Just imagine you've died and you're waiting to either move on to either heaven or move back and go back to Earth and you're reincarnated. And that's certainly not what I believe, but it's a very clever film. And it's basically this resort community where you can eat however much you want and you look at clips from your life and then you have to defend them to say, (laughs) oh, uh, well, and try to explain why you deserve to move on. It's a very romantic funny movie. These two belong together and you really fall in love with Meryl Streep. She's so charming, so funny in this and Albert Brooks is his neurotic self. But um Michael Gore is the composer on that one and you'll love the music just as you'll love the movie. Check it out. It's PG, some very mild sexual humor. And hardly any language at all. It also has the very polarizing but very funny Rip Torn. The the name alone is worth seeing it, right? Rip Torn. Cole, have you seen Defending Your Life? I have not. 1991, written and directed by Albert Brooks. You'll see him die in the first few minutes. It's not a spoiler. It's a setup for the rest of the movie. Go watch it. One of my all-time favorites. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We gave you our favorite movie scores and our favorite movie songs, and hopefully it sparked uh, your thoughts into uh, you know rounding up what your favorite movie songs and scores are, and hopefully it deepened your appreciation for music and movies.
0: And the effort the composers go in to put it for you.
2: That's what we like to do. We like to shine a spotlight on all the good parts of movies. And this time it was music in movies. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy your Groundhog Day weekend. And we'll see you again next week on Screen Cleaning.